sexuality tonight, all right? And, and I know the reason why, I'll admit to you that right now, as I'm even standing here, I feel a bit nervous to discuss this. Now, it's not because of the topic, but it's because of how some might receive the topic and how some might take what I'm going to say tonight. But I want to make sure that as we talk through this very um, just divisive topic tonight, that my prayer is that you hear my words, you hear our humility as a church on this issue, you hear our desire to love anyone that struggles with that on this issue, okay? That is my desire because let me tell you, I have seen that the church, I'll be blunt, has done a crappy job in this area. And my desire as a youth pastor is to make sure we right some of the wrongs, that we still speak truth, but that we also show love at the same time. And so as I sit here, I literally feel nervous as we talk about this, not because of the topic, but because of just how you might receive it. And my desire is that none of you in the room take this the wrong way and, and misrepresent what I'm saying tonight, okay? And so what I need from you tonight is to, you know, put away the childishness, put away any kind of, you know, joking around, put away any kind of the, just the casual nature of a normal Wednesday night, and just really focus tonight and as we talk through this issue, okay? And um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of give a little intro, and then after I do the intro, uh, we are going to have some discussion at your tables uh, just for like three questions, and these are not going to be like, you know, weird for you to talk about at your tables. It's going to be fine. And then um, I'm going to kind of uh, do some more discussion from the front up here, and then we'll do some more discussion. We'll do some more discussion at the very end at your tables. But um, let me just start by telling you that in my position as the youth pastor at this church, I, I hear about this issue a lot, and I talk to parents, I talk to students. I've been doing youth ministry since I was 19 years old, so I'm 34. So do the math: 15 years, and I've I've talked to a lot of kids that have struggled with this. I've talked to a lot of parents that have had kids struggle with this. Um, I've talked to a lot of kids that have made fun of kids that struggle with this. Um, I mean, I've, I've really seen the gamut on this, this issue. And, uh, and I'll tell you how my church raised me and how I had to repent and how I had to, God changed me in this area. I was raised in a very conservative church on the East Coast. And it was close to Washington, D.C. So I always heard about homosexuality in a political sense. That's how I always heard about it. From the, from the, from the front of my church, it was always talked about, like, this is sinful. Um, and, and, and that's all I heard from the pulpit of the church. But as a kid, even, I sat there and thought to myself, okay, but I'm wondering if someone in the church might struggle with that. Now, we're preaching truth, but what are we doing as a church to love someone, and help someone who's struggling with it in a real way. And that was the, the tension that I felt. But I still got caught up in being a young guy and just, you know, you know making fun of people or joking around about it and stuff like that. And then um, I moved to Arlington, Texas to be an intern at a church. And I move into this house. There's eight guys in this one house. I'm 19 years old. 
I've moved across the country from my parents to this, this faraway place to me. And about a month living in that house, there's a guy named Dustin in that house with us. And we were, we were becoming friends, and we were just talking casually like anybody else would in the house. And, and one day he says, he goes, yeah, I need to talk to you about something. I said, okay, what is it? And he says, well, you know, the guys in the house know about this, but I need to, like, let you know, like, one of my struggles. Because, I mean, I, you're, we've become friends and stuff, and I want to make sure that I'm just upfront about this with you. So he told me, he said, you know, when I was a kid, um, my dad was very distant. My dad was military. He was just emotionally distant. And, and he would make fun of me. He would call me names as a kid. Um, you know what those names would be. Uh, Dustin decides to join the military to try to get his father's approval. His dad was military, so he wanted to get his dad's approval. He joins the military. Goes to the military. Um, he gets honorably discharged because of some health issue. But while he was in the military, he was made fun of relentlessly. People call him all kinds of names. So he started thinking to himself, well, maybe I am. Maybe that, that is who I am. So he began to think that this, is, this must be who I am, a homosexual. So he, he gets saved at some point, turns his life over to Christ. God radically changes him, and he's now trying to walk with God at this point when I was 19 years old. So he's, he's interning. I mean, they, they did, you know, want to make sure, like, that we weren't going to, you know, so he's in the house, but at the same time, we all kind of know, like, this is a struggle for him, you know? And so the crazy thing was, he was the first guy I ever met that face-to-face that I, I went, wow, he's my friend, but he struggles with this. Before, it was just a, a disassociated issue. It was just like one of those, you know, distant issues to me. That's all it was. So we started... It was, it was really kind of weird for me because it was like we were still friends. We, we still talked about stuff. We still hung out together and whatnot. And it's like when I started to see someone who was a Christian who's trying to walk with Jesus, who struggled, just genuinely struggled with it, it's like the, the issue completely changed for me and how I viewed it. And so tonight we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about truth, but we're also going to talk about love and what that looks like and and. There's got to be a balance between the two. We can't just see this as just tell them truth or just love and accept and just embrace. It's got to be a balance between those two things. And so we're going to discuss that tonight. We know, we know where our culture stands on the issue. That's pretty obvious. Um, I mentioned to Anthony before I got up here, I said, man, you know, I mentioned the, the Lady Gaga song, uh, Born This Way. And um, I said, it's funny because, you know, you guys think I'm trying to be, like, cool or relevant by saying that, but I'm not. I didn't go look that up. I just know that she sings that song, right? It's just kind of out there in the culture. You, you can't really miss that. So we know where our culture stands on the issue. But here's what I want to tell you tonight, guys. Listen up. As Christians, we should not be shocked by culture. Because I see so many of us as Christians that say things like, oh, this culture is just going to hell. This culture is just awful. And we just bash the culture. Well, here's the thing, guys. Why does sin surprise us? Like, why does it surprise us when people that don't know Christ go off into sin? 
That, that, that shouldn't surprise us. We shouldn't sit back and just be like, oh, can you believe these people, how crazy they are? And so what I want to warn you of is, as a Christian, you should not be shocked by what you see in the culture. Because let me remind you of something. Homosexuality is nothing new. There's this idea in the media that, like, you know, the, the old-timer Christians are holding back progress. And, and we're, we're archaic because of our beliefs. And the new thing out there is, is bisexuality and homosexuality. I'm going, this has been around for, like, thousands of years, okay? This is nothing new. This is not some new breakthrough, right? And it's been around a long time. It's mentioned in the Old Testament, mentioned in the New Testament. Uh, 14, listen to this, 14 of the first 15 Roman emperors were homosexual or bisexual. The Roman emperor Nero was also a homosexual. Culture has always been sexually confused. This should not shock us, okay, as Christians. But, but here's the issue today that I want to get to tonight, and it's that Christians are just as confused as the culture that we live in. Christians are just as confused as the culture that we live in. You know, Christians, I think, usually respond in one of two ways when it comes to this issue. Uh, the first way is hatred, disgust. Um, that's one extreme. The other extreme is just total affirmation, total embrace, total acceptance of the behavior. And both responses are wrong. Both responses are wrong. And, and so here's the reality. We can be loving and truthful at the same time. We can, be, we can speak truth, but still be loving. I would even say that if you're going to really, truly love someone, it means to speak the truth. But how you speak the truth means everything. The tone that you use as you speak the truth determines everything. And so my, my, my goal for tonight is to help us be loving people, but still have convictions, still stand on truth, still understand truth. And so what I want to do is, well, first of all, uh, we'll pass out these discussion sheets, and I want you guys to discuss at your tables just questions one through three. When you're finished with that, we'll discuss this some more, and, uh, and we'll do more discussion here at the end. So just do questions one through three, and if I could get some help passing these, that would be great. Just one sheet for each table would be awesome. <clears throat> I'm pass it out, each table. <clears throat> <clears throat> and I guess just find the intern volunteer at the table and yeah, go ahead and discuss questions one through three, and then we'll kind of reconvene in just a few minutes. So go ahead and discuss. Okay, I know you're going to hate me, but you'll have more discussion at the end. Don't worry. Don't worry. All right, I just want to point out, listen up. I just want to point out in that moment the difference between boys and girls. Because the boys finished like 10 minutes ago. And they're over here making fart noises. And who knows what. And the girls, and the girls are in this intense discussion and really care about what we're talking about. So I just want to let you know, over here... 
we will probably have some college graduates. I'm not so sure about over here. Okay? Just, just a guess. All right. Um, listen up. Listen up. Okay. Uh, that's, that's why I put some discussion at the beginning, you know, so that you guys would, would uh, sort of own this discussion. But um, what I want to do is I want to answer some really important questions for you tonight. Then you'll have some more discussion at the very end. So, um, so treat this next portion with the same uh, intensity. We, we had the first session here, um, the same focus. So everyone kind of turn this way and, and just listen for a little while here. Um, I'm not going to go too long, but I, I want to make sure we cover this. Um, I mean, honestly, guys, I was trying to figure out today how to put all this information where it was understandable but also powerful and significant. So just bear with me here. Um, but the first question I want to ask, uh, that I want to answer for us, is what causes homosexuality? Because that's a huge, huge debate in our culture. And, and so, but with that question, when someone asks the question, what causes homosexuality, behind that question, there's another question. Because here's the question behind that question. It's, okay, if what causes it, if you're born that way, then we really can't say anything about it, right? We can't say it's wrong. That's what their logic is. But if someone says, no, it's a choice, it's a total choice, well, then someone could say, well, then it's wrong and you shouldn't be involved in this. So behind the question of what causes it is some other questions that we have to kind of get to. And so, but here's what I want to do. I'm going to surprise you tonight because I'm not going to give you the typical church answer tonight. Here's what I think about this issue, and this is partly my opinion, but also partly what I have read and studied and, and that sort of thing. Culture says that you're born that way. Our culture, the media, um, Lady Gaga, they all say we're, you're born that way. You can't help it. You're, you're born that way. It's just, it's not a choice. It's just you're born into this. It's genetic. Um, the church, though, on the other hand, says it's a complete and total choice. That's what the church has said for a long time. I'm going to tell you tonight that both are wrong and both are lying to you. The church has lied to you and culture has lied to you. And just hear me out on this. People are not born that way in the way that Lady Gaga talks about, okay? But at the same time, the church is wrong to say that it's a complete and total choice, okay? Because, I'm sorry, but with the way um, this issue is treated in our culture and the ridicule someone has to undergo typically if they, if they are homosexual, I don't know anyone who would choose that. I don't know anyone who would wake up one day and say, I'm, I'm going to be a homosexual. I don't know anyone that would actually make that decision, Okay? And so we can't simplify it and say it's just a sheer choice or you're born that way. Those are two extremes that I think culture has sold you one lie, the church has sold you the other lie. And so what I want to do is, is let you know this issue is a very complex issue. It is a very complex issue. Some people say it's genetics. The ones that say you're born that way, they say it's genetics, but there's no proof of that. There are some studies that have been done that, that many um, on the liberal left have tried to adopt and say, okay, we, we found proof, we found evidence, but those studies are inconclusive. 
on the church side, um, they have tried to make proof that um, that it's just simply, you know, this guy's dad wasn't in the picture, therefore, um, you know, he didn't have a father figure, and so he ended up becoming a homosexual or something like that. Now, that does happen sometimes, and there there can be some links there, but we can't have definitive proof that, like, okay, every single time this happens, this is what the result's going to be, because there are plenty of guys their dads were gone, and they didn't turn out this way, okay? And so what I'm trying to say to you is that it's not as simple as the culture has made it sound, and it's not as simple as the church has made it sound, okay? And so here is what I've seen, though, in my discussions with people that have had this issue or books I've read and so on. I think there can be, for some people, not everyone, but for some people, so when guys struggle with this issue, there has been at least some evidence to show when a guy in his younger years is not affirmed in his masculinity by other men, whether it be father, grandfather, even peers, that sometimes they can go down this direction towards homosexuality. If, there's, if there is a, a hole in someone's life in that way, this is what can happen sometimes. Like I said, though, you can't prove it scientifically, but this is what a lot of men who struggle with this, what they describe in their life. On the female side, again, this is not proof, and it's not, it doesn't happen every single time, but you can sometimes make the link that when someone who's a female, when they have been abused, whether it be emotionally, verbally, even physically, sexually, by someone of the opposite sex, they might head towards lesbianism because there's this rejection of the opposite sex. Now, not always, but that can happen. Okay? That can happen. In fact, if, if someone comes to me, especially a female, if she comes to me and says, you know, I need to talk to you. I struggle with these desires, these thoughts. My first question is it going to be, or my first statement's not going to be, well, let me get out the Bible and show you where you're wrong. My first question's going to be, tell me what happened. And almost every time, there's a story. There's a story of, well, when I was a kid, this happened, and, and okay, well, let's talk about that. Like, you might need to get some help for that as well. And so this is a very complex issue. We can't simplify it and make it, uh, simple than it more simple than it needs to be. But here's what I want you to know. There are exceptions. So when we, we answer the, ask the question, what causes it, there's a ton of theories. I'm not going to bore you with all those theories. But I want you to know there's a ton of theories out there. But all we can do is we can recognize we know people struggle with it, and that's just reality. So the question next is, is, is homosexuality a sin? Is it a sin? And I first want to point you to Scripture because I don't want to give you my opinion first. I want to point you to Scripture first, and we'll unpack this. And Romans chapter 1, look up on the screen. Romans chapter 1, verses 24 to 27. Now, I want to warn you that these words sound harsh, but Paul is writing to people who have gone off the deep end into sin. These are people that are practicing the lifestyle going crazy with their sin. These are not people that are just struggling with thoughts and desires 
and just struggling. These are people that have gone off the deep end into sin. So go ahead to Romans chapter 1. Here's what it says. It says, Therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Next slide. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. All right, so here's what, here's what Paul's talking about. He's talking about people that are acting on their desires. These are not people that are struggling. They're acting on their desires, okay? Uh, there's a difference between someone who is struggling with the desires and someone acting on their desires, all right? I want to make sure you know that as we're talking about this topic, we do not elevate this sin above any other sexual sin. One of the biggest pet peeves for me is if I hear some dude talk about like, you know, yeah, that's just a messed up. I don't, I don't get that, man. I don't understand that. And I'm like, meanwhile, he's sleeping with his girlfriend, all right? That is not consistent, if you're going to condemn sexual sin, you need to condemn all of sexual sin. You, you, you don't elevate. We all right? We don't. Listen up. Shh. We, don't, we don't elevate one sexual sin over another sexual sin. All right, try to refocus. Try to refocus. So here's what something else I want you guys to know is that everyone's sexuality is tainted with sin, but it affects everyone differently. All right? Um, so every single person in this room, you're created by God as a sexual being. That's part of his plan. But at the same time, your sexuality is tainted by sin. Everyone in the room. All right? But here's what that means. It affects everyone differently. For some people, the way that their fallenness and their sin affects them is it, it moves them towards homosexuality. Other people... They might struggle in heterosexual ways, but still struggle with sin in heterosexual ways, okay? There's not, not one of us are devoid of temptation. Not one of us in the room can say that we are, we are um, completely whole and completely okay sexually because our entire being is tainted with sin. That's, that's who we are as people. So none of us can say, I'm up here and someone else is down here. And so... With the question that some ask, are people born that way? I will say that in one sense, yes. What I mean by that is we're born into sin. Okay? Everyone's tainted with sin. We are born into sin. So in that sense, you could say someone's born that way. But it does not mean that that sin struggle has to become their identity. And we're going to unpack that a little bit more in a little bit in another passage. The next question I want to ask uh, today is, Okay, can Christians be homosexuals? Because the question I've gotten from students before is things like this. Someone will say, okay, I struggle in this area. I struggle with homosexuality. So does that mean I'm going to hell? Does that mean I can't be a Christian? And I'm like, whoa, hang on a second. Slow down, all right? Let me just, just, just talk about this with you for a minute. There is a big difference between the orientation and the lifestyle. There's a big difference between someone who struggles with it, someone who has thoughts and desires, 
and someone who's actually acting on it. All right? So here's the question. Can a Christian, here's a different kind of question. Can a Christian live a homosexual lifestyle and still be a Christian? That's really the real question, right? It's not, it's not my job to judge someone's salvation. That's God's job, not mine. But if someone claims to be a Christian, then it is my job to call them to repentance. Okay? 1 Corinthians 5 talks about this. I'm not going to have you go there right now. But read it when you get home tonight. 1 Corinthians 5, um, Paul says that Christians are not called to judge the sin of non-Christians. Okay? But we are called to judge the sin of Christians. All right? Now, follow with me on this. Just listen to what I just said. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5 that as Christians, we are called to judge the sin of Christians. But we are not called to judge the sin of non-Christians. Because here's the problem. Many of us have a completely reverse, don't we? We do a great job judging the sin of the world. We do a great job at being like all those crazy sinners out there that are going to hell, blah, blah, blah. We do a great job at that as Christians, right? But we don't actually look at Christians and say, okay, how am, I, how am I being called to judge the sin of Christians? Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, wait, we're called to judge Christians? Well, yes, on some level. Now, I don't mean like in a real self-righteous, in a real like condemning way. But Paul's very clear in 1 Corinthians 5. He says, you are to judge the sin in the church but you are not to judge the sin outside the church, okay? What that means is that when someone is a Christian or calls himself a Christian in the church, but they're living a lifestyle of sin, I don't mean they're struggling. I don't mean that they're, you know, a struggling Christian because that's all of us. I'm talking about they are, they are loud, they're proud, they are just wearing their sin on their sleeve, they are just living this lifestyle Um, it's obvious to everyone, they're celebrating their sin, they're reveling in their sin. That's what I'm referring to. But then they also claim to be a Christian. If someone's doing that, then yes, that person needs to have a conversation. We need to say, hey, we need to have a discussion. Because Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5 that I've got to hold you accountable as a Christian brother, a Christian sister. We've got to have a serious discussion here, and it's because I love you. Not because I'm I'm not judging you, I, I love you. And I love this body of believers, and we need to have a serious discussion. That's what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 5. So maybe a better question would be, can a Christian live a lifestyle of sin and still be in the will of God? Can a Christian live a lifestyle of sin and still be in the will of God? I would say no. Now, again, I can't sit there and go, this person's saved. They're totally not. I can't make that call. That's God's call. But all I can do is say, hey, if you're calling yourself a Christian, then I've got to hold you accountable as such and call you to, repent, to repentance. That's all I can do as a believer. That's all I can do. But here's something else I want you to know. Can a Christian have a homosexual orientation, meaning desires, they have certain desires, feelings, but still be a Christian, and they're just a, a struggling Christian in that area? Absolutely. Absolutely someone can be a Christian and struggle with that orientation, struggle with the thoughts, struggle with desires. But they're trying to 
be sanctified by Christ. They're trying to grow in their faith. They're just struggling. Because all of us struggle on some level, right, with sexual sin. So those are some really important questions for you to think about. Um, We all have orientation towards certain sexual sins, and many of us live with those things our whole lives, right? And, and it's just a constant struggle, constant battle, but you're on the journey, right, towards Jesus. And so um, I'll say it this way. The orientation I don't think is a choice, but the lifestyle is a choice. The desires, the feelings, that's not a choice, but the lifestyle is a choice. That part of it is a choice, Okay. Now, look at the screen. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. And here's what, uh, here's what it says. Man, we're here late tonight. See, you guys with your discussion over here, you girls, y'all are too intelligent over here. That's the problem. All right? <clears throat> All right. Uh, you need to be dumb like the guys once in a while. All right. Um, verse 9 through 11. Here's what it says. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, let me just be really clear on this. Here is what Paul does not mean when he writes this. He does not mean that someone who's committed these kinds of sins can't become a Christian. Or that a Christian who has committed one of these acts that they lose their salvation. That is not what he's saying when he says this. On the surface, this this verse looks really harsh, right? It looks like Paul is saying that anyone who's committed these kinds of acts, including homosexual acts, they can't go to heaven. That's what it looks like Paul is saying. But look at the other sins listed here, all right? Thieves, greedy, drunkards, slanderers, swindlers, You guys ever been greedy? You ever been a slanderer? You know what that means? Talk badly of someone, speak lies about them, okay? Okay, here's the point. That list gets everybody, okay? And what Paul is saying is that this list includes all of us because what he's saying is that if before someone comes to know Christ, this is what their life looks like, all of these things here that you see up on the screen. This is what someone's life looks like before they come to know Christ, okay? Now, Christians still struggle with some of those things, but here's the difference. When you become a Christian, those things are no longer your identity. Before you're a Christian, that's your identity. That's sin. That's it. That's your identity. Once you become a Christian, sin is no longer your identity. Look at the next verse. Next slide. This next verse proves it. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So this passage isn't just a passage about what sins you've committed. It's a passage about identity. It's a passage about who you are. Before Christ, your identity is this list of sins. After Christ, your identity has changed. Now you might struggle sometimes with those things. But if it's not your lifestyle and it's not your identity, your new identity is Jesus Christ. Your new identity is in Christ. And so for any Christian, sin is no longer their identity. Jesus Christ is their new identity. This does not mean you don't struggle. 
I will never tell a person who's a Christian but also struggles with homosexuality, I will never tell them that you will reach a point where you never, ever struggle again, okay, with the thoughts. I will never tell a heterosexual Christian who's married that you'll never struggle with lust because we're still fallen in this world. <clears throat> but there's two main things I want you to see from this passage, and it's this. Do not elevate homosexual sin above other sexual sins. Don't do it. Because that list, it gets all of us, okay? And then secondly, if, if you're someone who struggles with this, there's healing. There's healing. I mean, look what Paul said. He said, but that is what some of you were. This is who you used to be. It's not who you are anymore. And so, when, when you look at the Bible, and if you believe the Bible to be true, Paul's words are true. This is who you used to be. It's no longer your identity. I've talked with people who are married, and they've struggled with homosexuality. And they will say, you know what? There's healing. There's healing. Now, they're not going to tell you, like, they never have a thought, or they never have any ounce of temptation, but they'll say, you know what? I feel like Christ has healed me of that. There's healing. There's healing. And so what I want to do now is answer two more questions, and the first one is this. So what, what does someone do if they struggle with this? Where do they turn? What do they do? First of all, once you know, if that is you, and, and I, I never, here, here's, I've been a youth pastor for a long time. I there's nothing I have not heard about. Nothing surprises me. But if this is something you struggle with, we, I want you to know that we love you, and we treat this like any other kind of sin. We want to walk with you through that. That's what we're here for. And then secondly, I want to tell you, do not buy into the lies. Don't buy into the lies of the culture, and don't buy into the lie that the church often tells you, and that is, it's a complete choice. You need to get out of that. You need to just turn a switch, and you can change yourself. It's a process. Jesus can change you. You can't just turn a switch and be like, okay, I'm going to decide not to be that way anymore. The decision needs to be Jesus, right? That's a decision that you can make. He can change you. He can change you. And then secondly, I would say don't let your view of the church taint your view of Jesus. Don't let the ridicule that happens in the church, don't let the things you see in the church, making fun of it and so on, don't let that taint your view of Jesus Christ. Don't let it happen. And then lastly, I will tell you that if you struggle with this, um, I want to encourage you to come talk to either me, and I can try to walk you through some, some things that can, can help, or talk to a leader that you trust, your, your breakout leader, at some point, none of us are going to judge you. We want to help you. That is our desire. That's our desire. And then last question, what should someone do if they have a friend who struggles with this? And I'll give you kind of three scenarios here. It depends. If the person claims to be a Christian and they're embracing the lifestyle, 
if they claim to be a Christian, but they're also embracing the lifestyle, you know, they're, they're dating someone of the same sex, they're walking around school, they're kind of just proud about it, they're, 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 they're living it out loud, and they claim to be a Christian, I would say 1 Corinthians 5 applies that you, you lovingly confront, and I hate to even use the word confront, because I don't mean like you're in the hallway and you like throw down your books and you get all mad. I'm just saying that you, you lovingly just say, look, I care about you as a believer in Christ. I, I want you to have a great walk with Christ. I love you. I care about you. But we need to talk. Like, I just can't reconcile how you're living with what this book says. And if you're saying this book is your authority, then we need to talk. Okay? 1 Corinthians 5 applies in that situation. The second scenario, if someone claims to be a Christian, but they're just struggling, they're not embracing the lifestyle, they're just, they're an honest Christian who's just struggling with it in a real honest way. You love them, you be their friend, you encourage them, you encourage them to get counsel from a pastor or a counselor, you try to help walk through that with them. You, you don't sit there and go, what? You struggle with that? Well, we can't, we can't be friends anymore, right? You don't do that. That's not your reaction. The third scenario, if someone claims to be a Christian, <clears throat> I'm sorry, if someone does not claim to be a Christian and they embrace the lifestyle, here's what you do. You love them. You're their friend. But you talk more about Jesus than their sin of homosexuality. Because this is where I feel like we make the biggest mistakes, or a really big mistake. Because I can just see the conversations playing out in your school where Christians get into arguments with non-Christians who struggle with this, and they've embraced it. And it's just this shouting match of, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, and Where's that going to lead? As a Christian, you don't, you don't address the sin of an unbeliever. You focus more on Jesus. I want you to hear about Jesus. I want to talk to you about Jesus. You focus your conversation on Jesus. Let me, let me tell you about Jesus. Well, is Jesus going to make me stop being homosexual? Let's not talk about that right now. Let's just talk about Jesus. Jesus wants to change you. Change, change your entire being. He wants to change everything about us, but I'm not going to talk about homosexuality. I just want to talk to you about Jesus. So you focus on Jesus. You see, the problem is that the message we send to people like that is we send the message of, okay, change yourself and then come to Jesus. That's not the gospel. The gospel is come to Jesus and he'll change you. I'm not going to get caught up in you know, this sin or that sin. The gospel is come to Jesus, let him change you. That's the gospel. And this is where I feel like the church has failed miserably. We have failed miserably in this area. And so this is the part that I think I want us to change as a youth group. I would love it if this was a place where, you know, people that struggle with this would know, you know what, they, they speak truth but there's something different about the way they do it. There's something different about the way they speak truth. There's something different about them where they, I feel that they really do care about me. I feel they really love me. I feel that they really have my best interests in mind, but 
they're still willing to speak truth. You know what's funny is that the guy who's coming here to speak on a Connect Weekend, he told me this past uh, two years ago. He said, man, Dave, it's the weirdest thing. He's in Little Rock, Arkansas. And he's in downtown, a place called the City Church. And his desire and goal is to reach homosexuals for Jesus. His desire and goal is to reach druggies for Jesus. His desire and goal is to reach people that the church turns away, is to reach them for Christ. And here's the crazy thing. He said, he's like, Dave, we have so many homosexuals coming to our church. He's like, I don't know what to do. He's like, on the one hand, I mean, he's like, I still talk about it like it's sin. I still talk about it like, you know, it's, it's not right. But for some reason, they, they love us and they love our church. And they want to keep coming and they they're want to know about Jesus. He's like, how cool is that? He's not embracing it. He's not saying it's okay. But he's saying, we love, we, we love you. We want you to be here and figure out what you think about Jesus. And you'll see, you'll see his passion for that kind of thing on Saturday and Sunday. And so what I want you to do is, is you got a few more questions to go through. And uh, when you're finished with the last question, just go ahead and pray for your groups. And I think at the end here we might have some, uh, is, that, is that cake? Is that, is that ready? Here's the deal. It's Jacob's birthday cake, but it's, it may be small pieces, but it'll be all right. We'll, we'll still enjoy it. Uh, so we'll, what we could do is give it just to sophomore guys, I guess, but we'll uh, let everyone partake. So go and discuss and uh, pray at the end of your questions. You know what? Okay, I apologize. I was going to show a video, but I couldn't get YouTube to load it up properly, the one that I was trying to find. Um, but it was powerful. Just trust me. And uh, so talk about how that non-video transformed you. Go to question number uh, five. 